Hi, everybody. Welcome to season two of Spilling Lavender Tea Under Cedar Trees with Kate and Teacher Mads. I'm, I'm honestly surprised we got a season two. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> yes, Gwei. Hello. Welcome back. Um, I am really excited for what we're about to do. I think so, too. Uh, okay, well, for one, if you don't remember from our last episode, we did mention that we are now CRE grantees. Yes, we, we are, are starting our second season of colonialism around the world. I'm really excited. Um, one, just to hear the hot goss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us how the colonizer did it. Yeah. <laughs> Talk colonizer to me. Yeah. <laughs> but like not. Um. <laughs> All right. Well, for our first season, our episode of the second season, um, what are we doing? We are talking, we're getting Canada done. Yeah. Right. We're taking on Canada in the first three episodes. <clears throat> and we have two lovely guests with us on the couch and on the screen. And I will let them introduce themselves. Awesome. Well, it's so good to be here. I'm back again from the first season, making a reappearance. So, Tanse, everyone. My name is Sivwanachuk, uh, which means spring spirit in Woodland Cree, but my English and colonial name is Shelby Anderson. Feel free to call me whatever you need to. I am a two-spirit youth from northern Alberta, more specifically from Wabaska, and I'm also Métis from Gift Lake. And that's me. Yay! And hi, everyone. My name is Lily Coys. My pronouns are she, her, and... I am so excited to be on this podcast. I have never been on a podcast in my life, so I'm slightly nervous. But um, <laughs> I am from Treaty 6 territory in Muscatuiskaigan, Edmonton, Alberta, and that's where I am right now, where I was born and raised, and I'm a member of the Métis Nation of Alberta. So I think me and Shelby are like cousins way, way back. So 100%. Anderson's. We have to be related. <laughs> yeah, probably. We just need to start telling people at this point. I'm like, we're, clo- we're close cousins. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm so excited to have you guys on for our first episode. One, because this is Lily's very first podcast. I know. I'm so sorry you had to deal with us, though. Um, <laughs> um, so if you, y'all haven't picked up on it yet, um, so we have two Métis in the house. Um, so we're going to start off, you know, not in the order that people would probably expect. We're mm-hmm. going to start off learning about the impacts of colonialism on the Métis nation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Let's get after it. All righty. Let's <laughs> do it. <laughs> And also we'll be talking about like revitalization and resilience mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all the great things that uh, the Métis Nation's doing to and with their people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, right out the gate, I guess, is just kind of giving an overall um, idea of what colonization and the impacts have been on your communities. Um, I mean... The Métis Nation, like, literally is <laughs> that piece that came about that wasn't a product of colonization in a, in a sense. And so I think it's really important for people to learn more about that. So y'all go at it. Take it away. <laughs> Yay. You want to start, Shelby, or want me to give it a go? Give her. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, yeah, I mean, for, for me personally, um, my family comes well, way, way back. They've been on, on this land here on Treaty 6. And my great, 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 great grandpa, there's many greats. I don't know the exact amount of greats, but there's many. Um, his name was Jacques Rivondel, and he came from France. Um, and he actually went to Louisiana first, and then made his way up all the way to where I am now, like for a period of 10 years, he slowly made his way up. And then he met a really cool woman named Josephette Pinot, who was, uh, she's from Jasper, Jasper House. And then they fell in love and got married and had many, many, many kids. Um, And the rest is history. But that being said, the reason I brought that up is most of my family and my ancestors don't actually come from the Red River area um it was more of a coming up from from france to the south and then up and so i think my family's experience uh as metis peoples is is a little different than maybe other metis peoples experience and it kind of really goes to show you that that everyone's experience is is different Mm -hmm. um but when it comes to my my own family and a lot of families who have grown up close to to my family um they actually ended up settling on a lake called big lake which is just outside of st albert um and that's just st albert for some context is like a half hour drive from where i am in edmonton here so it's really close just outside of edmonton and anyways so they they settled on big lake and they went back and forth between big lake and lac st anne and they spent their summers on Big Lake fishing and trapping and just living their best life, making gardens. And then they go back to Laxinan in the winter. But then eventually they were starting to, you know, take the, to start, um, what do you call it, when they were like dividing the land, basically. The government mm-hmm. came and started being like, all right, this is the borders of this land, this is the borders of that land. But my family was actually able to buy that land that they have been on um, for generations already. So yeah, it's a bit of a unique situation with my family, but when I see the amount of destruction that colonization has had on Métis peoples with land and everything that happened with SCRIP, the Métis SCRIP system, which was implemented after the Red River resistance, mm-hmm. and, you know, people's land were, they were manipulated and it was taken away from them, and then so many people were left just, like, landless and living on small bits of, like, road allowance, small land. And so that's, I mean, when you're talking about land, that's one one of the big kind of impacts of colonialism that still happens, is like has a big legacy. And I don't know, like Shelby, what's your what's your experience with that, with your family? I'm curious, I don't think we've ever talked about this. Yeah, how I became Métis. <laughs> <laughs> so the information that has been gathered and what has been shared with me is that there was someone from Scotland who was forced to come over here during one of the wars that was building what is the settler colonial state that we now kind of live in. And um, he came, got captured by the Cree people, and was there for quite a bit. And then um, he was released after it was all kind of said and done, and they asked if he wanted to leave, and he said no. <laughs> so then he got married to uh, one of my Cree ancestors, and I think... One that's just so funny. <laughs> like, of course, in my family, it'd be someone who's getting captured and then just doesn't want to go back home. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I think that and the just the proximity that was from my area. I mean, Gift Lake, their whole settlement is one of the biggest claims. 
but I think it's only about, I'm gonna cough one second. <laughs> we'll edit that out later. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. <laughs> oh, we'll keep that in now. <laughs> And I think it, it's one of the one of the biggest claims, but I think it's only about um, six hundred to seven hundred people that live on there. So it's a very small, isolated community. And I think <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I think the way we had to survive at the time, being so together and being kind of isolated, was good for what we needed to do and how we needed to survive. A lot, there was a lot of people from my community who hid from residential schools, just, just because it was so small, you could, you could really disappear there, but I don't know, I think when you take people who travel, people who are born to do that kind of thing, kind of be nomadic and be one with the land, and then you separate them so severely into, like, the worst plots of land that they usually could find. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It does something. It does something. There's like, I feel a real stagnation of spirit in a way, I think. Mm -hmm. There's only a few of us who still have horses. There's only a few of us who still even have left. There's still, I don't know, not that opportunity to be how we were and what our blood memory is telling us we want to be like and what we're supposed to be like. And I think that's where a lot of this big pain that I see, anyway, or a lot of the pain that I carry is just this real stagnation of spirit again, mm. of why, why can't I do this? Why can't I travel the way I need to? Why can't I do these different things or ex experience these different things that were so normal and so regular and just a part of who we were? And I think... Well, obviously, it was a big goal of colonialism to separate us, but I think one of the things we can do to get back and really connect with the land and our indigeneity again is to start traveling again as mm -hmm. as cost-preventative as it can be sometimes. I think that's where we need to start focusing our energy on getting back into living with those rhythms and understanding them, especially with climate change. Mm -hmm. And um, going back and really making our stand of what this was because this was we didn't I don't know I mean we did have these separations kind of of where people lived and what but there was way more traveling way more trade routes I think kind of the history we're sold of us being disconnected is a piece of colonialism I think we were more together than people understand mm-hmm mm -hmm. Shelby, you've made lots of interesting points. And thanks, Lily, for sharing your family history. Mm -hmm. um, you touched on something that I would like you to circle back to is, um, could you explain a little bit of what Métis script is and, like, road allowance for our friends? Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a whole thing. And I feel like very few people um, have even heard of script, never mind, like, know about it. And I know for me, when I first learned about it, it was actually in university, and I was like, what like this happened are you kidding me um because yeah like there's very little understanding of kind of what it was or that it is a big piece of of our history and our Métis history and basically it was in the aftermath of the resistance the government they you know created Manitoba what they call Manitoba um 
And so what they did was they set aside like millions of acres of land for the children of Métis families. But once this like land was exhausted, then they started um, supplementing it through what they called script, like script distributions to individuals instead of collectives kind of thing. I don't know if that makes sense, but basically what they would do is they would offer script, like the script system, they would go to um, houses with Métis families in it and offer them script and like, you know, there was a lot of families who were hungry and not doing so hot because of everything that was going on. And so they were offered like a very, very small amount for their land in exchange for like their land, basically. They're like, you leave and we'll give you a little bit of money for your land. And desperate times call for desperate measures. So a lot of people took that and then they were forced to leave and get their small, tiny little amount of money. Um, and then they just lost their land because of that. Mm-hmm. So basically they would get like this, this certificate that was like a script certificate. They called it like a script coupon. Um, and then that was that they, you know, they would take their script and they would have to leave. And that was kind of the end of it. And then it was very, very intentional of the government to do that. It was, we're going to force them to take this to leave and then we're going to survey this land and give it to farmers. And that was, that was that. So, yeah. And so, so many families took that and, um, the legacies of that are ongoing, of course, as, as Shelby talked about that disconnect, that removal, um, yeah, there's a couple of really good books that uh, touch on, like there's this, oh shoot, I'm forgetting the name of it. There's this one book I read recently and he was talking about his, his family's history and how his land was taken with this and just how that affected their family and where they went after that. And yeah, it's really horrible. And as I said, I feel like not very many people know about script. It was really a, a small part in history that had a huge, huge impact. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little bit about what script is. Mm-hmm. No, thank you for explaining that. Uh, teacher, do you want to ask the next question? Yeah, two seconds. I put it down. All right. Um, you both have slightly talked about... <laughs> yeah, um, so you guys have touched on some of it. Um, so the next question that we kind of wanted to hear your responses to or your thoughts on is... Um, what what's been done to reset or like reclaim the impacts of colonization on your communities like revitalization wise um whatever that looks like for you i can start with this one shelby if you want um i think okay well i just one of the biggest things is culture metis culture which is like the best thing ever it's like there's so much amazing music and dance and jigging and like storytelling and there's just such like Beachy culture is so 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 rich and it's really revitalizing our community um and it has been and it continues to do so so you know like the Métis Nation of Alberta here does so much cool events and they bring people together for things like yeah like <laughs> you know, fun Métis events that are very, you know, lots of fiddles, lots of dancing, lots of just really fun community, building community. And that is really revitalizing and kind of, you know, resisting the the, the ongoing impacts of colonization. And then, I mean, there's a lot of 
cool places you can go see too and, and learn about Métis history. There's the Métis Crossing, which is a couple hours, I think a couple hours, maybe just an hour away from Edmonton, um, where they have like a whole museum on Métis history and culture. And that, that's really cool. Um, there's also, they're in the middle, it's called the Constitution Commission. Um, the Métis Nation of Alberta is in the middle of writing our own constitution for self-government. And that is super exciting. Something I want to learn a lot more about. Um, Cause I don't exactly know what that's all going to look like. And I think they're trying to figure it out too. And that's why they have this commission, but basically we are working towards being, having a fully self-government, which is super exciting. Um, and yeah, I mean, aside from that in my, for me personally, like, I feel like I grew up, um, not super duper connected to my culture. Like, you know, my, it's, it's on my dad's side. I'm, I'm Métis on my dad's side. And I heard lots of stories growing up of all of my great aunties and how they'd have like these big events where there'd be like jigging contests and things like that. But that wasn't really around as much when I was young. Like I have lots of memories of, you know, my papa playing the fiddle and my nana teaching me how to dance and, and things like that. But then it kind of just fizzled out a little bit as I got older, which was really sad. So I wasn't super connected to my community, my Métis community and my culture. And then I guess once I became an adult, I started to, to kind of reconnect a little bit and connect to my community. Um, and now that's, that's even more so, which I'm super duper grateful for, but I kind of grew up in two worlds a little bit. Um, and so I'm, I'm on that journey myself right now. And I know, you know, my dad tells stories of, you know, when he grew up, he, he's a hockey player. He's really good at hockey and he played hockey on two teams. One was just like the St. Albert, team which was all white guys and then he also played on the I forget what it's called it was like the basically I think maybe it was the Enoch Nation but it was basically a, a hockey team with all indigenous players and he felt like he was kind of a misfit in both he was like you know when mm -hmm. I played on the white team I was the one brown kid yeah. <laughs> when I played on the first nation team I was the white kid <laughs> and so same as me kind of in this two worlds right mm -hmm. so in terms of what I'm kind of doing for my own cultural revitalization and just being connected to my community is just listening to the stories, learning about my own family's history, where we've come from, where we are today, um, getting connected with other strong Métis individuals and families and communities that are around me and seeing the work that the community as a whole is doing too. It's been super inspiring and there's lots going on. I'm sure Shelby can touch more on what is going on in specifically Métis communities here in Alberta. There's just lots of exciting stuff and lots of cultural revitalization. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, I think for my community, there's been a big... Yeah, I think for my community... <laughs> yeah, anyway, I think for my community, the biggest thing I've seen is the focus on youth. And the youth are just so passionate and so ready for this information and ready for the change that needs to happen in our thought patterns. Which I think is the biggest thing that I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see um, my family seeing themselves in a different light and seeing their culture in a different light. I think with residential schools and all, it really was just this culture of shame and this culture of, yeah, you just can't do this. You have to behave this way. You have to believe this. You have to understand this this way. And it's nice to see my family starting to let that stuff go and starting to see a different path, a path that's already been given to us and a path that we're already being guided on. And I think that's my favorite thing. I think that's the most important thing. I want to take care of the elders. 
and just because I'm so happy that they're here. I really am. I think losing my grandmother has made me really appreciate what they bring and also the healing that we can participate in with them. And yeah, that's the most beautiful thing to me. I think that healing and coming back together and just being passionate about learning and being, just being Métis, being Indigenous, being who we are. And that, yeah, that's what I'm excited for. Because when I was growing up, it wasn't like this at all. It really wasn't. I remember being in high school and it was shameful to be who I was. And I was put down a lot. And to come to this kind of other side of seeing people focusing on the land and really trying to build that connection because I think that's where a lot of what we are comes from is from the land and I mean really we are just truly a part of it we truly are the land and I just want to get back to that me personally I mean I'm living in a city (laughs) so I gotta change that but Mm -hmm. I think also that just goes back to our history of how we connected with each other. I mean, these separations that we've built with each other, I don't know. I don't know. I think there was people like us. It doesn't make sense. There was people who had to go to different places and be with different people for periods of times. And that was perfectly acceptable. And it's just all part of our learning of how we're moving forward and how we can communicate with each other and um how we can tell our stories because it's really it's really there's a whatsapp (laughs) (laughs) it's really important i think and um that's just what i want to focus on i want to focus on the people who are just waiting just waiting for this knowledge waiting for these gifts waiting to see themselves in the light that they were given by creator which is the most important thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just breaking these cycles of everything they put on us and everything they continue to put on us, for sure, I think. I mean, I don't I don't want to kind of conform to what the society understands as success or passion or anything. I want to be with the land and with my people. And that has expanded. That has expanded a lot once I understood how much we used to travel and how much we used to see each other and the bonds we used to have. And how that's that's really how they got us. They separated us in a big way. And I think when we come back together and when we all get to see each other again frequently and have our gatherings and have these things, then um, a lot a lot of beautiful stuff will be born. A lot of really intense, caring, loving, creative things will be born mm-hmm. once we get to be back together again. And I think that's what we're doing. And I think that's what a lot of Indigenous youth are doing. Building these communities up and building up spaces that we can have this. We can have this creation. We can have this different perspective. And... Yeah, you're just never going to convince anyone to change. And you're never going to push someone on their journey. Someone's journey is their journey, and that's just how it is. But I think seeing that there's a different path. I know people have told me 
they were like, seeing you do something different, I could understand that I could do something different. Yeah. And that's the best thing, I think. Just the fact that us living authentically, us being ourselves... And being proud of it. Being a proud Métis. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, um, yeah, yeah, it's who we are. It's what we are. It's the land. It's all of it. And it's going to it's gonna change in a big way. Because people's hearts are in the best place, I think, now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So well said. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we loved spending time with you today. And for our final question, I'm changing it on teacher. I was like, where are we going? Yeah, changing where it on you. How dare you? Yeah. But okay, yeah, carry, carry on, carry on. Yeah. I want to see. You want to see? I'm curious. Yeah, now. I'll show you where we're going. Okay, where we're going. <laughs> to close out in a good way, mm-hmm. share with us your top three favorite things about being Metis. Oh, I love that question. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I gotta think about this. Lost to choose from. Shelby, if you already know your answers, you can you can jump in. I'm already a few seconds here. Yeah, yeah. I love the humor. I love the humor of our people. I love the connection. I love the connection with the land. It's so natural. It's so just easy. Just beautiful. It's just what we were supposed to be doing. And I just love that every Métis is so proud. <laughs> There's not someone who's just like, oh, I, I'm Métis. It's like, no, I'm a proud Métis. This is my day. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I'm just going to keep. That's three. Yeah, I'm going to keep on that That's path. <laughs> You're cut off. I'm just being, <laughs> sorry, I'm so proud. <laughs> I don't know. It's cool. It's freaking cool. (laughs) Mm, I think for me, you know, some of them are similar to Shelby's answers, but I think the top one is just the community and the connection and like the kinship, you know, like Mm -hmm. even just when, you know, you you meet anyone who's Métis and you're like, oh my gosh, who's your cook? I'm like, who, like, are we related? Let's figure this out, you know? Um, And there's just such a strong bond, I feel like, between it between peoples and actually I've, I've had the privilege to to do a project with work this year with uh up, up north in fort vermilion called buttertown um and it's the community that we're, we're running this one program and there's just uh like so many amazing metis families who all live like side by side on these different river lots <clears throat> and i got to stay up there with them and it was just I had the most amazing time and even though they live eight hours north from where my family's from I just felt like I was going home like it felt like my childhood and you know I just picked Saskatoons all day and rode horses and (laughs) swam in the river and learned how to play the fiddle which now I have my own fiddle and I'm learning how to play my puppy's really proud of me it makes me so happy um anyways it's you know, I'm not, I actually not related to the, the Paul families who are up north there, but I just, I feel like I am, like, I feel so connected to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, you know, speaks to the, the community and the strength of our community and how we're all related, even if we're not. And there's just so much love there. And I just really love that. So that's top one. And the number two is just the music and the dancing and like, 
that's my go-to playlist is uh <laughs> fiddle music um it's just so again it feels when i listen to it it feels like i'm going home when i'm traveling and i'm lonely i'll put on Métis fiddle music when i'm happy i'll put on fiddle music it's just like my favorite thing it brings back so many memories and I just love it um and also makes me feel more connected to my own family mm-hmm. and then the last one i think is just like our history we're such strong and just cool people (laughs) like our history is so rich and where we've come from and this culture we've built out of nothing really um and you know all of the oppression and hardship and challenges we faced as a people and where we've come out of that um it's just so inspiring to me and I just love that we're like you know we got some we got some first nation in us we got some you know settler we kind of got everything and it's just like whoa you know we got we got it all uh and our history is just yeah another one of my favorite things i'd say so that's that's my three and i really love that question (laughs) yeah it's um there's so much work more work that needs to be done obviously and I mean, there's still people that don't fully understand what Métis is out there and love that for them. Um, but <laughs> but it's uh, it's really important that people get to hear kind of like not only the hardships, but like the amazing things that are also happening now as well. Um, we are in a huge movement of um, revitalization, both of like language and culture in general and just... Um, every, like I find our generation is really pushing to make those con- reconnections and just get everything back that we possibly can. So it's just great to hear that like this is every community is doing this right now. And I'm so happy that we got to learn and share with you and um, just, yeah, get to hear those proud Métis. Gotta love the proud OTs. Pre-Métis, the best way to be! (laughs) (laughs) I think, too, like, just having the opportunities to sit and learn from each other. Mm -hmm. Again, right? Relearn from each other, I should really say, because we've always had these relationships as individual nations, and it's nice to walk those trade routes again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even the Zoom ones. Even the Zoom ones. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. Well, it's been lovely to chat with both of you. Um, Just, Walalio, a huge thank you to both for being able to join us today. Um, But we're going to wrap it up. Um, So as usual, our normal spiel. um, Where can you find us? You can find us on all major podcasting platforms. I'm talking Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Podcasts. There's some weird ones that are like only really, you know, used in Germany. But we're a huge hit in Germany, supposedly. I love that for us. Um, and yeah, and you can also find us on Instagram at spilling lab tea under cedar trees, um, where we will be updating regularly about our posting. Yay. <laughs> I hope to see you guys, uh, next time on episode two. Well, uh, <laughs> see you later. Yeah.